Welcome to Votes and Ballots. This is the podcast that deals with the most visible part of our democracy's elections. Here we are analyzing recently conducted elections, new voting technologies and recently published papers. We are talking with experts, officials and observers. My name is Daniel Stefanov and I'm hosting this podcast. Please join us on our Twitter and Facebook accounts. Hello, welcome to Votes and Ballots podcast. Today we are going to talk how to hold an election in the situation of global pandemics of COVID-19. As you know, uh, the COVID-19 made some countries and territories postpone their elections in the spring. However, other territories and countries decided to still hold their elections. Today, uh, when there are so many administrations that are trying to organize the elections in the coming months, when unfortunately the COVID-19 virus will be still with us, I think it will be very good to have the experience of all those who decided to have the elections and take the risk. Uh, that is why today I decided to invite Mr. Eric Asplund from the International IDEA. Most of you probably know International IDEA, one of the leading organizations in the field of uh, elections. Eric Asplund is leading one of the projects of the International IDEA called the Global Overview of COVID-19 Impact of on Elections. There you can find all the information that you need for all the elections that were held under the COVID-19 uh, pandemics. Now I'm uh, saying hello to Eric. Eric, welcome to Votes and Ballots podcast. Hello, Daniel. Thank you very much for having me on your program. Let's start with uh, something a little bit uh, more curious. We have witnessed uh, many innovative uh, voting arrangements um, in the so-called special uh, special voting arrangements, uh, probably from South Korea, where they had uh, those special voting stations for, for people with COVID-19. Um, of course, the drive-in polling stations in the U.S. that we saw just a couple of weeks ago. Do you have Do you have your favorite special voting arrangements that you have seen in your project? Thanks, Daniel. Um, I, I think the Americans call it curbside voting. voting. Uh, but uh, beyond the United States, we also saw uh, drive-in uh, polling places in a few countries, such as uh, Iceland, the Czech Republic, and Lithuania. Now, uh, my favorite, uh, it's, 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 it's a good question. Um, uh, I, I think advanced voting is very convenient, at least for me, as I typically work on election day here in Sweden. <laughs> yeah. um, I, so um, um, I think looking at the stats, approximately 3 million people voted in advance during the last uh, parliamentary elections here in Sweden in 2018, which I definitely think must have been a record. And many are predicting that uh, in 2022, uh, more than half of all the voters will vote in advance. Um, just because, you know, it's easier to vote at a time and location that suits your personal schedule, rather than, you know, committing to a, a particular place and time. Um, also, I, I think you, oh, going back to uh, South Korea. So you mentioned South Korea and the United States of America. Now, both of these elections took place during the pandemic and and uh, both made use of special voting arrangements. Uh, in South Korea, 
who had parliamentary elections, I think in April, uh, they recorded 20, 26% advance votes, right? That's, that's astonishing. Yeah. In the United States, more than 41% voted by post and 22% voted in advance. So uh, this is something like 99 million people making use of special voting arrangements? Yeah, it, it looks like, like it's working. And have you, have you managed to, to find the trend regarding the turnout uh, in the elections under COVID-19? Um, is, it, is it higher? I know that you're following that in, in your project. That's a really good question. Uh, as you know, IDEA has a voter turnout database. Uh, as a result, we have yeah. been able to compare voter turnout in countries that have had elections during the pande- pandemic with the turnout uh, for past elections. We also have a global tracker of held elections during the pandemic. So we know between the 21st of February and the 15th of October that 89 countries have held elections or referendums. Now, based on this research, we can see that voter turnout has decreased in most countries that have held subnational or national elections during the pandemic. The effect of COVID-19 is clear on the, on the turnout. Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, we saw low turnout in France um, uh, back in March, um, uh, Ivory Coast, the Dominican Republic, uh, Jamaica. So, yeah. And uh, of course, this uh, is... Um, is a legitimacy uh, issue then? Yeah, and have you try have you tried to find a certain correlation between the turnout and the use of of an implementation of special voting arrangements? Because I think that's interesting. If you have if you have uh, let's say um, postal voting, uh, advanced voting, right, is it, right, is right. it that good for the turnout? Or I mean. Can you measure that? Um, well, our preliminary research suggests that there is a correlation between the implementation of scaled-up special voting arrangements and voter turnout. Uh, also, the political context, the civic duty, and timing of elections are important factors. Mm. Uh, going back to special voting arrangements, I think it, it's played a very important role in many countries, voter turnout. In some cases, special voting arrangements has contributed to civic like like a really a significant increase in turnout. Postal voting, mobile ba- ballot box voting, early voting have all proven to be important in countries such as Singapore, the US, South Korea, and the German state of Bavaria. Yeah, Bavaria was a very specific case where they decided to go for 100% postal voting, that something that they never used. Uh, they used, but uh, never did it uh, at a, such a high scale. Right, right, and exactly. And I think... Um, Going back to what I said earlier, I mean, I, I think it's also important to, to to look at, you know, kind of the political context and uh, as well, because, I mean, uh, Poland, for example, uh, the USA and um, Montenegro, these are really three examples of where turnout increased in 2020 elections compared to the average turnout. Um, so um, all of these all three of these countries, uh, what they all have kind of in common is what um, you know, argu- arguably led to high voter turnout is that these elections were deemed as crucial by the population and that the races in these three countries were closely thought. Yeah. And um, based on, on all your research, um, do you have uh, something like you can call it the most important recommendation for the uh, election management bodies? 
Wow, uh, that that's a very open-ended question. Um, maybe I'll try to summarize. First, uh, election management bodies, depending on of course, country context, need to work closely with the government, right? So this is the Ministry of Health, the Ministry of Interior and Finance. Uh, also with the political opposition, as well as specialized agencies, such as like, you know, the National Center for Disease Control. Second, EMBs who are in the process of planning for an election during the pandemic should try to learn as much as they can from other countries or local EMBs that have held elections on what measures they introduced or, you know, modified for the entire electoral process. Maybe by starting with the pre-election period, looking at, you know, what other election uh, commissions did in in terms of training, information, registration, uh, looking at the election period. Uh, nomination, campaigns, voting results, but also, importantly, the post-election period, the review, the reform and strategy process. Now, I would also recommend that EMBs look into findings and lessons learned on elections and COVID-19 from international organizations such as the UN, um, uh, IFAS, Commonwealth, Kofi Annan Institute, African Union, and of course, IDEA. Third, um, EMBs should look into what is legally possible to do in a given period, right? Yeah. And, and fourth, EMBs need to speak with governments to make certain that increased funds are available. Yeah. Um, I think I'll stop there, except maybe to say that any investment that is made now will hopefully be of use for future emergency, yeah. you know, emergency situations and could therefore add to the resilience of the election management body. You mentioned um, the increased cost of elections. Probably you can um, say a little bit more on that. As you know, Daniel, elections are not cheap. Uh, They involve uh, employing thousands of temporary staff, um, hiring premises and producing huge volumes of election materials. Elections have often seen rising costs, but these financial challenges have increased in scope due to COVID-19 pandemic. Um, This is primarily because of costs related to risk mitigation measures, which include both health and safety and special voting arrangements. Now, almost all countries holding elections during the pandemic are purchasing personal protective equipment, right? This is like face shields, medical gloves for election officials, and sometimes, you know, masks, gloves for voters, right? Um, For polling stations or voter registration centers, um, election management bodies are also, um, you know, purchasing hand sanitizers, uh, contactless thermometers, plexiglass screens, and, and so on. So, uh, and in terms of special voting arrangements, uh, you know, this means more staff, facilities and materials. Uh, So undoubtedly, you know, all of this has increased the cost of elections. Um, Toby James, Alistair Clark and I published a blog on Democratic Audit in July on this topic. Uh, If you or your listeners have time, I think you should check it out. Yeah, yeah. And what is your assessment on the balance between the, this urgent implementation of special voting arrangements and the, the integrity of the vote? Because sometimes uh, when you when you uh, implement a new voting method, um, it's difficult for the administration, it's difficult for the voters and so on. Um, if new voting arrangements are proposed or enacted, um Good practice dictates that new that the new laws need to be agreed typically between six months uh, to one year before uh, the elections take place in order to uphold the principle yeah. of electoral law stability. Even this may well not be enough. For example, there are implications uh, on the franchise, you know, who's in, who's out. 
there may be necessary political consensus building, or there may be infrastructure issues, for example, the postal system works or not, or legislation may not allow, or if the experience from the voters will be different in such a way to cause confusion and require more civic and uh, more civic education and sensitization. Now, I think it's probably easiest to expand something that already exists. Uh, it's, uh, you know, is accepted, tried and tested, expanded to a wider audience. For example, a modality that was designed for the military, but that works, can be expanded to a larger group. Yeah, and not to go for something that is completely new. Yes, uh, and, uh, and introducing something too quickly, right, uh, without... Piloting and testing can also be problematic. Uh, each uh, voting stream brings both costs and vo- vulnerabilities. And do you have any example of a special uh, voting arrangement that that were uh, rejected close to the election? Um, Sri Lanka and Poland comes to mind. Um, in Sri Lanka, the election management body was unsuccessful in an attempt to introduce advanced voting for people under quarantine as a new uh, voting method, right? Um, in the end, I, I think um, people in quarantine were only allowed to vote in designated polling booths uh, between 4 and 5 p.m. if they received permission from health authorities. Um, also, another country would be Poland. Um, they tried to switch to an all postal voting, um, uh, but this was rejected by the Senate uh, only four days before, you know, the yeah, election. election. Yeah, it was it was four days, um, and the election was supposed to take place on the tenth of May. Uh, instead, uh, they introduced, you know, in person and universal postal voting for the twenty eighth June presidential election. Yeah, uh, it was a very weird case because, as much as I remember, actually the uh, election day was not cancelled. The election right. day for. For the all postal voting was not cancelled, right. uh, although nobody voted actually. No one, no one was working, and no one was voting. <laughs> although I remember yeah. that the, the, I think there was a, you know, I have a vague memory of there was, you know, some demonstrations taking place on the day. We often talk about adapting the the voting process to the situation of the voters. Um, but what about the, the polling workers? Because uh, in many states, as as you know. Um, uh, the polling workers are recruited by the political parties. They are not part of the administration. So this could be a problem in a situation of uh, global pandemics. Uh, can you can you say something about that? How how can the election management bodies uh, solve that problem? Good good question. Um, I think today we can see many poll workers wearing you know uh, personal protective uh, equipment. Uh, We also know that many poll workers receive information and training on health and safety procedures. But of course, some very experienced people over the ages of 60, right, or persons with underlining health issues who typically volunteer as poll workers will not apply or accept a position as a temporary election official because of, you know, health risks. This is, I mean, this is a huge challenge, but um, I think many EMVs are adapting. A good example would be the United States. Ahead of the 2020 U.S. general elections, uh, electoral officials identified the pandemic's potential impact on recruitment, right? And to help meet, uh, you know, to help meet those expected uh, shortages, uh, the Election Assistance Commission, which is a kind of a federal commission, which has an advisor and sometimes a funding role, ran a National Poll Workers Recruitment Day 
which used social media and provided generic information and guidance on gathering poll workers' application details. And as far as I understand, that, that campaign was fairly successful. Probably um, we should mention the South Korean example because there, as much as I remember, they had a very detailed medical protocol. Right, right. No, you're you're right. In South Korea, um, people with symptoms, uh, everyone uh, on on election day, uh, everyone uh, who voted had to go through, a, had to have their temperature checked. Right. And if the temperature was um, high, then there was a temporary polling booth um, uh, made available for those voters. Yeah. Um, can you mention some other projects that you and um, International Idea are working uh, on now? Yeah, of course. Uh, happy to. Um, well, in the immediate future, we have a new case study on the U.S. elections. This case study by Kate Sullivan is the latest in a range of in-depth case studies that International Idea has published together with the Electoral Management Network. Um, other cases in the series, all drafted by experts, uh, include France, Poland, Mali, we talked about Germany, Bavaria before, right? Australia, uh, Russia, and South Korea. Now, at some point next year, these cases uh, and more will be included in an edited volume funded by the UK Research Council. We're also uh, working uh, on special voting arrangements, as as you know, uh, which we see um, uh, to become increasingly important in many countries, right? So not only because of the pandemic, but cert- I, but I think the pandemic has has probably accelerated, you know, the, the interest uh, in this in special voting arrangements. Uh, we're currently researching global practice uh, that focuses on experiences and trends for civil societies and EMBs. And over the next month, we will continue to successfully release more data and publications on the to- on this topic. It's very interesting, and I think that um, most of the uh, election management bodies should follow your website and your publications. You're gathering a lot of uh, global experience on different topics on the field of elections and you're publishing um, very, very good materials. Right. Thanks. And I, th- I think and all of this information is, is available on our global overview COVID-19 impact on elections page, right, um, which has information on postponed elections, held elections. Uh, I think we have more than 50 right, mini case studies on all national elections that have taken place during the pandemic. So it's, it's a good place to look. It's kind of a one stop shop. Great, Eric. Thank you very much for being uh, part of the podcast Votes and Ballots. And um, honestly, I think that um, we are going to expect you uh, in the future on other topics that we are all interested in in the field of elections. Thank you once again for being part of the podcast. Thank you very much for having me on the show. Thank you for listening. Follow us on our profiles on Twitter and Facebook.